Since the beginning of recorded time, mankind has been fascinated with that which he can't understand, the mysterious and unknown, and has sought to provide answers for its existence. Through the mystery language of the Theosophical Society, the ancient wisdom of the early Christian cults, the widely misunderstood study of cryptozoological beings, or by revealing the true intentions of our government's elites, human beings have looked to discover the truth about the hidden inner workings of their reality. Having discovered these seven secrets, we decided to create a podcast to share these truths with the public. Whether it's shadow people, demons, and a secret intergalactic government, or angels, prophets, and a new great awakening, we've got you covered. Welcome to the Seven Secrets Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Seven Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Palmer, otherwise known as Shaman, coming at you here. Today, we're going to be talking about some very interesting topics. We're going to be talking about spiritual parasites, negative thought forms, energetic vampires, uh, and all sorts of things related to this. How do these spirits operate? Why do they exist? And what can we do about it? But before we get into all of this, uh, like most of the audience probably knows, I like to uh, look into some of the news that's going on in our community. And on the news docket today, the first thing I want to look at is that there has been a new book published by a cryptozoologist named Ken Gerhard. Uh, Ken wrote a new book called The Essential Guide to the Loch Ness Monster and Other Aquatic Cryptids. He presents um, his argument that the Loch Ness Monster is derived and descended through evolution from an ancient group of serpentine whales. Um, this is interesting. I'm definitely interested in the idea of aquatic, crypt aquatic cryptids, uh, excuse me, and I would love to check out this book. If anyone knows anything about this, has their own experiences with the lock, uh, send them on in. And the other piece of news I wanted to present before we fully get into the episode is a pretty big piece of news coming out here. I actually had a friend bring this up to me at work before I went and started investigating today, and then I found another article related to this in my investigations, so I was like, dang, might as well put it in the episode. Um, but the article I'm reading to you from is from the Medical Express, uh, and what I'm reading here is that according to a scientist who published an article in the journal Current Biology on February 18th, um, we have proven that we are able to speak to someone who is dreaming, that we are able to interact with people who are in REM sleep. Um, the, research is, the researchers equate this to trying to speak with an astronaut, except instead of the astronaut being uh, up in space, their consciousness has, is somewhere else entirely. This process of communication uh, seems to be achieved through sorts of facial tics or eye movements and has appeared to be particularly apt in individuals who are um, proficient at lucid dreaming, that they are eas more easily able to communicate with the researchers. Uh, the researchers found that these individuals who were dreaming were able to do simple math answer yes or no questions, and tell the difference between different sensory stimuli. 
Uh, this is interesting to say the least. It also means that while people are deep within sleep, they can communicate things that they are seeing and experiencing. That means that any information about ourselves, our consciousness, or the greater universe and the greater um, collective consciousness, we can communicate, some of us can communicate through eye movement and facial uh, muscles. And that's all I've got for the news today. So I hadn't really got to do a um, really scary or kind of creepy episode yet for the Seven Secrets podcast. So I thought that today I would get into something like that. And um, I hope everyone will enjoy kind of delving into some darker aspects of the mysterious on this episode. And specifically, what I want to look at today is something that is uh, called by several different names. Uh, You might hear it referred to as a spirit parasite or an energetic parasite, Uh, but usually it is referred to as some sort of parasite. And this uh, creature that we're, or rather this spirit that we're going to be talking about, this entity, uh, exists primarily within an astral, mental, or etheric realm that this is where its core existence stems from. Uh, This seems to be one of the basic principles surrounding this idea. And one of the main concerns that I want to approach before we start talking about spirit parasites is that we are not talking about demons. What we are not talking about, in fact, is negative-aligned entities or shadow-aligned entities that are um, featured in a lot of different ways. Even the idea of demons is compartmentalized into different sections, and what I'm talking about is fallen angels versus the goetic demons of the Solomonic traditions, uh, and the list goes on and on. So if we want to, we can have another episode on demons and that sort of thing, and if you're interested in that, please shoot me an email or message me on Twitter and let me know. But for this episode, what we are dissecting is, in fact, a different group entirely of spirits known as spirit or energetic parasites. And while demons can be parasites, not all parasites are demons. And other beings can also become parasites or act in a parasitic fashion. Another idea that might be helpful to us as we begin to approach this topic is the idea that spirits are kind of like bacteria um, in relation to our body. That is, that we interact with a lot of different bacteria on a day-to-day basis, and we also interact with a lot of astral, etheric, and physical energies all of the time on an electromagnetic field uh, and on an electromagnetic scale. In fact, our entire planet is based on a certain electromagnetic uh, system. So even as we interact with these energies, uh, we are constantly interacting with different spirits as well. And some of them, like some bacteria, uh, are feeding on us or maybe uh, drawing our energy away from us. And 
we can look at this from an ethical lens if we want to look at it from that sort of lens, but I think it's more appropriate to continue to look at this as an organism feeding on another organism. Uh, it's not always mutually beneficial. Sometimes there is a host, which is the human, uh, in the situation that we are talking about. Um, and that is how we need to look at this, as a parasite feeding on a host, not as what how a lot of people may look at demonic entities, which is as uh, some sort of ethical... Uh, concern or shadow aspect. The, that's not what we are looking at. We are looking at a parasite drawing on a uh, auric energy field of the human being. And I want to take a second and talk a little bit about how, uh, some of the ideas surrounding how spirit, spirit parasites and energetic parasites uh, are birthed or how their origin begins, how, how they form. And this seems a lot to, has a lot to do with emotional uh, trauma, it has a lot to do with stress, and it also has a lot to do with the chakras and the auric field surrounding human beings. So uh, for those of us who are fairly into the esoterica and the occult, you will know that there are seven chakras and that these chakras uh, make up a sort of energy field within the human being uh, upon which magical systems and occult systems can be orchestrated uh, well. In the same vein, the auric field that is surrounding humans that is based on the seven chakras uh, is, always, is always present when the human being is interacting with other human beings. So when two human beings are interacting, both of their auric fields are coming into contact. And this, uh, there's a passing of dialogue between the human beings. There's a passing of air and other organisms between the human beings and physical reality, but there's also a passing of spiritual essence and spiritual energy between the two human beings as well. And this sort of spiritual energy is processed through the chakras. Now, when a human being has um, some sort of issue or blockage in their chakra network, it can build up these spiritual energies in a negative fashion. And this buildup of negative energy on the auric field is a breeding ground for spiritual parasites. But this framework still doesn't explain to us if this is the true framework, which is one idea I've come across. Um, but this framework still doesn't explain to us entirely where the spiritual parasite originates. And in order to understand that, we have to come back a lot to uh, our thoughts and our actions and we have to understand that our actions for the, for result in negative energy that plays out into reality. And sometimes this negative energy, according to the stuff that I've been researching, can form its own sort of sentience or consciousness. Um, some of the articles I've read suggest that this only happens when, or usually happens, when a person passes away and the negative parts of their consciousness are dispersed into uh, the atmosphere as a sort of astral dust, quote unquote, uh, and this astral dust begins to collect and forms its, has its origin in human consciousness, but it develops its own sort of consciousness on this energetic level and uh, is able then to feed on these chakra blockages of other people and as it feeds the parasites can become larger and so then they vary in size and um, their potential to suck out our energy uh, and I will link a uh, 
I will put the link to the article where I'm getting a lot of that information specifically about the astral dust and uh, the origin of spiritual parasites. I'll put that link in the podcast description so that everybody can find out what I'm talking about. But this seems to me to be a very interesting idea. Um, I'm sure that this explains a lot of the negative energy that's in our immediate atmosphere. Um, I do think that a lot of the negative energy that we emit ourselves can also form its own sort of sentience or consciousness on the mental plane and therefore become a sort of parasite as well. And I have also noticed in some of my research that there are people who claim that there are just tons of parasites in the astral plane and other planes that are always around our aura uh, unless we are doing something to prevent that. And that these uh, parasites, once again, you like to feed upon the chakra and if they absorb enough energy from the chakra, they can grow in size until they become even more disharmonious with our uh, energetic bodies. Now, I just want to spend some time getting into um, exactly how the parasitic process works, exactly how a parasite feeds on the host, and uh, what exactly the definition is of a parasite and what separates some entities from being a spiritual parasite and what defines what is, in fact, an energetic parasite. Um, so let's start by looking at the parasitic system. What ex how exactly do spiritual parasites and parasites in general uh, operate? And the way spiritual par parasites operate is that they fuel or feed themselves on residual energies uh, blocked throughout the chakra network. Uh, and this they don't want to kill the host. This is the point of a parasite. This is one of the defining characteristics of any sort of parasite, but in particular a spiritual parasite. It doesn't want to kill, annihilate, or destroy its source of food or energy. Uh, it wants to, in fact, maintain this system of energy production. It wants to while feeding and taking away the energy from the host, still maintain that the host will receive energy and keep producing energy so that the parasite can remain alive. When we look at this from the aspect of a spiritual parasite, we begin to see that they will therefore create dramatic, dangerous, or highly intense emotional situations that can feed these energy blockages and therefore feed themselves. Uh, so something I've come across, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but while looking into all of this, something I've come across that is perhaps spiritual parasites feed on the type of energy that originally gave birth to them. So if a spiritual parasite came into being based on the misplaced anger of uh, a recently deceased individual, that astral dust, like we talked about before, uh, may meet up with other anger-born uh, spiritual parasite, parasitic dust, uh, forming a greater entity that's built upon anger. So then this spiritual parasite would uh, make sure that its host acted in an angry fashion or that it was around situations in which people were very angry so that the parasite could then feed on this anger and become even more powerful. 
uh, I think it's possible that there are spiritual parasites that feed on all sorts of high, highly intense emotional states, not just one particular energy form, but this is something that we need to consider perhaps more preliminary or basic spiritual parasites do in fact operate in this way and are limited to one type of energy. And if you see yourself being steered to display one energy characteristic that is particularly negative, you might recognize that you have a spiritual parasite in your life as well. Now, I also want to take some time and get into the different types and uh, different entities that make up the spiritual parasite category. And the reason I want to do this is because it's a fairly broad category. The more and more I looked at this, the more and more I realized that really there were all sorts of things that could be considered a parasite. Uh, we have physical parasites, which most people think of as being parasitic, but even in our dialogue that we possess as human beings, we can talk about humans being parasitic or leeching off of other people, that is, using them for their time, uh, money, or affection. And this, you begin to see that we have recognized that there are other parasites. There are not just physical, uh, usually microscopic parasites within our bodies, but there are other entities, physical and non-physical, that are parasitic as well. So let's get into a few of these different types. Uh, one type of spiritual parasite uh, that we can think of is thinking about these spiritual parasites as their own group of spirits, as in their own uh, type of species that they operate in a parasitic fashion in order to survive in a similar fashion to physical parasites. They actually have their own genus. They, this is how this organism adapts and lives. And I actually have a good buddy of mine who I'll refer to as Snake, who had a conversation with me about shadow people. And I'm sure the audience will be somewhat familiar with these dark entities supposedly called shadow people, sometimes seen with a, as, as wearing a hat. And these entities uh, supposedly appear to people and then suddenly they are gone, disappear, or create some sort of time lapse. Now, my buddy Snake, who I was talking to, informed me that he believes shadow people are in fact a sort of spiritual parasite, although he didn't put it in the term spiritual parasite. He said that they were a sort of battery that feeds off of the energy, specifically the fear-induced energy of human beings, and that's why they like to be around us. This is, And the, when they're seen, usually we don't see them, but when we see them, uh, they do not particularly like this, and that's what happens when human beings see these shadow people who are always present like a spiritual battery or parasite feeding off of our fear. Uh, Snake actually claimed that perhaps they showed themselves to us uh, in an effort to induce fear so that they could feed even more. Now, I would say this is one subset of spiritual parasites, maybe something that uh, is... It, within its own realm, it exists as a parasite. That is why it exists. I'm not suggesting that this is necessarily the truth of shadow people, but perhaps one of their aspects. Another type of spiritual uh, parasite that we could look at is spiritual parasites as thought forms or these negative thoughts within our lives and other people's lives. But we need to be careful that we don't think of all negative thoughts as spiritual parasites. Because they are not. Uh, negative thoughts can be grouped into a diverse range of categories as well. But a spiritual parasite that is a thought form is a thought form that actually creates a sort of loop in the 
in the patient that feeds itself. So it would be a negative thought form that is self-perpetuating, a negative thought form that, uh, let's say, like, for example, maybe jealousy, which through evoking its own sort of energetic pattern can cause situations that would lead the patient to become therefore even more jealous, uh, this negative thought form therefore becoming parasitic within the individual. We can see from this framework that then not all spiritual parasites are necessarily sentient. It may be the opinion of some that spiritual parasites uh, can just be a sort of thought loop, could be a psychological thought loop. This might be a point that we need to consider. I personally believe that there are sentient spiritual parasites, and I know for a fact that there are human uh, spiritual parasites, which we will get into in a minute, but we need to recognize uh, also that there might be spiritual parasites that are not sentient, that are thought forms that have been imposed uh, either on the individual, either by themselves or by other people. And we need to recognize also that perhaps the state may be capable of invoking spiritual parasites, that is, spiritual thought forms that are self-perpetuating loops into the individual. The last sort of uh, type of spiritual parasite I want to look at on this episode is what I had just referred to, which is the human, quote-unquote, parasite, uh, or energetic vampire, also, quote-unquote. And we don't only have to look at this from a human perspective. We can look at this from a perspective of other entities that are not originally parasites, also. Uh, any entity, really, that eventually comes to a system of energetic paras energetic vampirism. And the reason we are starting to claim the word vampire, energetic vampire, instead of spiritual parasite or energetic parasite is because an entity that acquires this parasitic system might be defined as a vampire, an energetic vampire, not in fact a parasite which uses this system to live or to feed its own existence. A vampire, in fact, we can get a little more ethical within this framework because a vampire doesn't need the energy to survive, but is in fact just drawing it uh, from this parasitic system in order to elevate its own status or position. This is a dangerous um, sort of thought, and in fact, there is sort of doctrines, there are certain books, there are certain belief systems that encourage energetic vampirism in humans. Um, these humans might feed off of intense heightened emotional states. Um, now, this is not always, we shouldn't always think of this in a, in a sort of negative realm either, a, negatively, a negative ethical realm, uh, because in fact, energetic vampirism can be helpful. If, if all the participants understand what is going on, if all the participants have agreed to the energy exchange, this can be a helpful process for certain uh, magic practitioners. However, uh, a lot of this, a lot of this vampirism does come down to uh, non-consensual energetic vampirism, and this, of course, is the feeding off of intense, intense high emotions from the patient. Now, the vampire, the human vampire, perhaps, uh, might even create situations that lead to chaos, disharmony, and high emotional states in order to feed off of them, in order to feed their own uh, magical or spiritual system. Uh, I, something that I also might want to point out here is that these quote-unquote human parasites or energetic vampires might also 
play mental games or mind games with patients and people in general. It seems to be a sticking point of the personality of a parasite or vampire that it sees human beings as a sort of piece, uh, as pieces on a chessboard, a mental chessboard, in which the parasite or vampire can move the pieces and use the pieces to, once again, elevate their own position or power. And that's one key way that you can begin to notice these parasites and vampires in your own life as well, if you think that they might be human and around you. And something else I just want to mention is that a parasite, when it becomes too powerful, um, exactly what happens? What are the problems with parasites and energetic vampires? Well, the problem is when, in particular with a parasite, when it becomes too powerful, it can induce physical illness such as infections, viruses, headaches, fatigue in the patient. So you might notice that you're suddenly overcome with certain sicknesses or have uh, uh, issues with your hands, like there might be certain infections on your hands or rashes. Uh, these sorts of things can be byproducts of spiritual parasites in your life that have fed so much that they are beginning to alter physical reality. When these things happen, we need to look inside of ourselves and at ourselves honestly and begin to see if there is some sort of parasite around us. And we also need to recognize that these parasites can manifest themselves in mental ways. I talked a little bit earlier about uh, thought form, spiritual parasites, or um, spiritual parasites of the mind. Uh, they can create a sort of mental illness in the patient, possibly. They might be able to induce depression, or uh, um, you know, they might be able to induce these sort of random evil thoughts even in the person and when a spiritual parasite becomes too strong and too powerful it may even be able to possess certain victims or patients and this might be where we see a lot of crazy crimes uh, and awful things happen in our world so why does all of this matter uh, if there are spiritual parasites energetic vampires um, why is that important to uh, our everyday lives and our existence. Well, the reason is because once you become aware, once you begin to realize that these entities exist, perhaps it would be useful if you would be able to cleanse yourself or clear yourselves of these um, entities and negative spiritual parasites and these vampires. Uh, not only to clear yourself, but to cleanse your loved ones and your friends as well, and to make sure that they are freed from these entities as well. Um, especially during this time when the coronavirus and the national stage has been set in such a way that, it's, that it is creating all sorts of new spiritual parasites and new negative thought forms in the human consciousness. Uh, we really need to be aware during this time of these things that might affect us and be prepared to clear or cleanse them as necessary. Another reason I wanted to approach this topic specifically is because a lot of you out there might be working with the occult and magical systems, and you might be approaching them and not uh, being as cautious as you should be. You may not be using banishing rituals regularly or cleansing yourselves, and I cannot stress enough how much you should do these things because if you do not, not only will spiritual parasites and energetic vampires be more easily it might have easier access to your aura and your chakra network, but all sorts of other negative 
negative entities as well will have access to your body and your mind and your soul. So it, I cannot stress once again how important it is just to banish and cleanse yourself when you're working with magic and occult systems, uh, lest these sorts of parasites be attracted to your aura and find you and feed on all of this energy. How can you avoid a spiritual parasite or vampire and how can you protect yourself from these entities? That's That will be what I'm discussing next. Um, I already kind of got into this just a moment ago, but banishing rituals, cleansing rituals, cleansing ceremonies, these things can be incredibly helpful to uh, alleviating the patient of a spiritual parasite. Um, even going to church and participating in these sorts of gatherings and rituals are very helpful for relieving some manner of spiritual parasites depending on what kind we are talking about. Uh, I, another way that you can protect yourself or get rid of these parasites is through cleansing the aura or the energy field around you or uh, the patient. You might use gemstones to do this. In particular, an amethyst or a quartz would be helpful. And run this gemstone. Either hold it in your hands and feel the energy moving through you and healing you. Or move the gemstone over your body to the particular spots where you think the parasite might be located. Particularly to the chakra that you think the parasite is attached to, usually from the back of the patient. Another thing that can be helpful in preventing and stopping these parasites is a proper diet, nutrition, and exercise. Um, really altering aspects of our physical reality uh, and our physical bodies and, make, and have, making them become more healthy, making them uh, uh, more beneficial to us, and making it a more clean environment can assist in a getting rid of all of these parasites. It can assist in uh, putting up our own defenses so that these parasites and vampires cannot as easily enter our energy network. Uh, you can take vitamins. You could eat proper food. Stay away from sugar, I would say. This is one way that even physical um, reality parasites are able to uh, sustain themselves within your gut. And uh, even sweating through exercise or sweating through other practices can be helpful for getting rid of parasites. And one thing I want to say also is that the only true key thing that can alleviate you of a spiritual parasite would be awareness, would be mental awareness and watching your thoughts and your emotions and watching them seriously and honestly and seeing what is there that shouldn't be there, what is there that is negative, what is there that is creating its own self-perpetuating loop in order to keep you in a lower vibratory pattern, in a lower vibration. Um, and it is only really through this self-imposed analysis of our own thoughts and processes and emotions that we can rid ourselves of the effects of the spiritual parasite. Everything else can help, but ultimately it comes down to us. And we need to take charge of this. We need to uh, acknowledge that this is our responsibility in the same way that the health of our body is our responsibility. The health of our spirit is also our responsibility. And we need to take charge of this. Um, like in the same way that we keep our immune system healthy so that we can prevent sickness or disease, we need to keep 
our spiritual system, our spiritual aura, our energy network clean and healthy persistently so that these sorts of parasites cannot infest us and our network. Thank you to everybody for uh, joining us at the Seven Secrets podcast today, and thank you for listening to everything that I had to say. I hope you enjoyed this discussion on spiritual parasites, energetic vampires, and uh, some of these darker um, entities that exist uh, within the realm of the occult and the esoteric. And I hope that maybe we all learned a little bit today that we approach some new topics. Unfortunately, I do not have any guest stories for you on this episode. Um, nobody uh, really sent any in. I wasn't able to find any. So if anybody wants to send in their stories, I always say this at the end of the show, please feel free to do so. Um, you can email us at the7secretspodcast at gmail.com. That's the7secretspodcast at gmail.com or go to our anchor our anchor is anchor.fm slash seven secrets that's all one word that's one word it's written out it's in the letters um, no numbers and at there at our anchor you can record your own voice message you can record your own story in your own words or you can uh, find our Twitter page there as well and you could send us a message on Twitter um, please reach out to us in any way, shape, or form to share your experiences, your stories, how you felt about the episode, um, anything really. Please feel free to reach out to us, and that's all I've got for us today. It's been a great show, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.